Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet journalist Mara Vistendahl, economist Robert Reich, and reporter Charlotte Alter. These authors are each deeply knowledgeable about the urgent economic and political landscapes that are affecting our everyday lives. Listen to their fascinating behind-the-mic insights and hear what it was like for them to record their audiobooks. Enjoy. Hi, this is Mara Vistendahl, author of The Scientist and the Spy, a true story of China, the FBI, and industrial espionage. I got the idea to write this book when I was living in China as a journalist. I worked for the journal Science as a news reporter. And one day I saw the news that a man had been arrested for stealing corn out of a cornfield in Iowa. The case grabbed me. I wrote a short article about it, kind of put it aside. But then I saw more and more of these cases brought over the years that followed. And when I moved back to the Midwest, it just seemed like a great opportunity to pursue the story. I've always been a fan of the Hitchcock film, North by Northwest. And reading the indictment in the Robert Moe case, I was struck by the similarity. You have this image of a man in a field who's besieged in a way. And that image grabbed me and made me want to explore the story underlying it. And as I looked into the case, I learned that it was, in fact, much more complicated than the Justice Department initially made it seem. That beneath that image of a man in a cornfield were layers and layers of historical discrimination against Chinese scientists in the United States, consolidation of agriculture companies in America, and a whole host of other trends that made the story very rich and compelling for me. Like many writers, I spend my days by myself, at my computer, mostly in my head, often reading or writing, but never saying words aloud. So it is strange to go into the studio and be hearing my voice all day long. But I do like the feeling of speaking directly to listeners. And there's a sort of intimacy in the process that I don't get by just being at the computer writing. As we recorded the audiobook, I was struck by how many words I know how to write, but I'm not able to pronounce, and how different combinations of words look great on the page, but once you try to say them aloud, they turn into tongue twisters. So we had a few of those mouthfuls during the process of recording the audiobook. And also words that should be quite simple to pronounce, like protested, like he protested in the streets. Somehow I got caught up on that five or six times. My book has a lot of Chinese names and terms in it. And one concern I had going into the project was that we find an actor who would be able to pronounce those words. And I was elated when Penguin Random House came to me and said they had an actor 
James Lurie, who had actually studied Chinese and pursued a degree in Chinese history for a while. So Jim and I were able to coordinate on pronunciations and hopefully do them justice. I don't normally listen to audiobooks, but when I'm trying to immerse myself in a book for research purposes, I'll often keep one on in the background or keep it on while I'm running. And the last audiobook I listened to for that reason was George Orwell's 1984. Listening to that book, I realized that the dialogue popped out at me in a way that it doesn't always when I'm reading it on the page. The actor who read that book was able to really make the characters come alive. So their interactions were underlined in a way that they wouldn't have been otherwise. The great thing about audiobooks is that you can listen to them anywhere. And I love listening to them in the car, while I'm running, while I'm cooking. And for me as a writer, they kind of complement the reading that I do. And now listen to a clip from the audiobook. Deputy Cass Bowman sped toward the farm, the bright morning sun glaring through the window of his patrol car. To the north was the town of Bondurant, Iowa, where newly built houses huddled together on treeless lots, churches dominated street corners, and the marquee outside Dino's storage read, Avoid all negative talk. To the south was a Tetris puzzle of cornfields, God-fearing citizens on one side, vast fields on the other, and Tulane 70th Avenue running like a ruler between the two. A few miles east of town, Bowman steered the patrol car toward the corn. Hi, this is Robert Reich. I am a professor at the University of California, Berkeley, a former U.S. Secretary of Labor and author of The System. Well, I wrote the book because I've spent the last, oh gosh, 50 years in and around American politics. It was about 50 years ago. I was an intern in the Senate office of Robert F. Kennedy. 25 years ago, I was Secretary of Labor in the administration of Bill Clinton. I've seen a lot in terms of how power is wielded in America, and I've seen a lot of changes. I want people to understand what's actually happening. There is so much mythology. There is so much out there that is utterly wrong, that is almost designed to make it impossible for people to get under the surface and connect the dots. I want to connect the dots. I want people to actually understand how we got to where we are so we can get out of this. I was inspired by my students. I've taught generations of students, and they ask really, really good questions. Right now, they are asking, how did we get Donald Trump? I mean, they're sophisticated enough to know that he's not the cause of all the problems we have in this society, including the divisiveness. But they wanted to know and have been asking me increasingly, well, how did we get to where we are today? Why are people so angry? Why is the political system and the economic system so dysfunctional? I wanted to write something that would answer all of that. The experience narrating the system into an audiobook was harder in many ways than other books, I think because the concepts are 
maybe a little bit more complicated. Also, I felt and do feel more emotionally directly connected with these issues. When you're emotionally connected, you think it's easier to read something, but actually reading and reading well requires a little bit of emotional distance, which I had a hard time regulating this time around. I do think, though, that the ultimate outcome is quite successful. I hope so. Oh, there were so many words and phrases I had a hard time pronouncing. I mean, a good example is behemoth. I mean, I talk about big sizes of concentrations of economic power and political power, and I've written the word behemoth a lot, but I actually didn't know how to pronounce it. I kept on calling it behemoth. I'm very anxious for people to get under the surface and see the underlying realities. I mean, a lot of people carry around kind of fictional ideas in their heads about the way the system is organized. They think of political science, or they think of economics and the doctrines of economics, or they think about sociology in a formal sense, Republicans, Democrats, all of these, these words, these titles and names, well, they don't have anything to do with what's really going on. What really is happening and what's really most important for people to understand is power, where it is, how it got there, how it can be reclaimed because it's now so concentrated and so centralized. And it's important for people to understand that the basic division in society is no longer right versus left, Republican versus Democrat. It really is democracy versus oligarchy. Well, I'm right now reading a really terrific book uh, by Jill Lepore, a historian who also writes for The New Yorker. It's called These Truths. It's a history of the United States, but it is written in a way that is very dynamic, very interesting. I mean, I am a, a student of United States history. I thought I knew it. And it's not that I discover a lot, but she's putting it together in very interesting ways. Captivating, important book. And now I'd love you to listen to a clip from my audiobook. A half century ago, when America had a large and growing middle class, those on the left wanted stronger social safety nets and more public investment in schools, roads, and research. Those on the right sought greater reliance on the free market. But as power and wealth have moved to the top, everyone else, whether on the old right or the old left, has become disempowered and less secure. Today, the great divide is not between left and right. It's between democracy and oligarchy. Hi, my name is Charlotte Alter, and I'm here in the studio. I've just finished recording the audiobook of my first book, The Ones We've Been Waiting For, How a New Generation of Leaders Will Transform America. I wrote my book because I could sense after Trump was elected that there was a looming generational change on the horizon. Just looking at all the people who were currently in charge, 
Almost everything in Washington was run by people in their 70s and 80s. And it made me realize that probably there's going to be some kind of turnover on the horizon. I wanted to figure out what that might look like. So I set out to basically meet every millennial elected official that I possibly could. And I didn't meet them all, but I met a lot of them. And this book is about their formative experiences. It's about the historical forces that shaped their worldview. And I like to say that basically it's about what millennials believe and why they believe it and what America might look like when they're in charge. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be exhausting. (laughs) Because I'm not very good at reading out loud And the first day, I almost entirely lost my voice. It's basically like running a marathon. But luckily, I got to work with some really good people who helped me through it. You know, one of the things is that I'm not very used to reading out loud. So there were some really tiny words that I just had a really hard time pronouncing in a way that didn't sound garbled. Like, for example, visited. When I just say visited, I just kind of say it like that. I don't say visited, you know? And so I had trouble enunciating words that I just kind of normally breeze over in normal conversation. And also, because this is a political book, a lot of times things like the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee is just really annoying to say. And in real life, people don't ever say that. They just say the DCCC. So things like that gave me trouble. I'm excited for listeners to hear me explain some things that hopefully sound familiar to them, but maybe they haven't thought about it in exactly the way that I'm talking about it. For example, I talk a lot about baby boomer parents and how baby boomer parenting was different than previous generations of parenting and how that created a unique type of millennial childhood. So what I'm hoping people will take away from this is sort of things that they remember, things that seem obvious cast in a new way to help people understand this rising class of young leaders. Oh my gosh, if I wasn't going to record my audiobook, you know who would be great at this? Gina Rodriguez. I would want her to record this audiobook because I just love her voice, and I think she's got such a nice, real way about her. And that's kind of what I wanted to do with this is just sort of explain my book to people. I tried hard not to do too many different voices or things like that, mostly because I'm very not good at imitating people. So you're going to laugh, but the last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was I recently re-listened to the entire Harry Potter series on audiobook. I'd obviously read it when I was a kid, but listening to it was just so comforting I just found it to be really a wonderful way to experience those books again because the guy who does it does all these incredible voices and there were all these things I hadn't remembered and I just loved it. The other audiobook I listened to recently that I loved was Priest Daddy by Patricia Lockwood. That one was excellent and she does a really good job of reading it. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is on the subway in New York City, which is where I live, And I also, sometimes when I'm out on the campaign trail, I have long distances to drive, and I like to listen to audiobooks when I drive. One story that I have about this is that one time I was 
down in Florida covering a hurricane, and I forget which hurricane it was. I think it might have been Irma, but I'm forgetting exactly which one. And because of the horrible weather and I was, like, on the last flight in before they canceled all the flights because of the hurricane, I landed at an airport that was about three hours from the place that I was staying. And, of course, it's not easy in a hurricane situation to change because everyone wants to get into the hotels. So I had to drive three hours in these sort of hurricane conditions. So I was driving up the coast of Florida. You know, there's been a complete shutdown. They've declared a state of emergency. On the radio it says, everybody get off the roads. Like, it is too dangerous to be on the roads. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. There's going to be a wave that's going to come and sweep me off the road. And... I shouldn't be on the road. So I put on an audiobook and just listening to an audiobook and not having to listen to people on the radio yelling at me to get off the roads got me through that three hour car ride, and I will never forget that. And now listen to a clip from the audiobook Love him or hate him, this much is true. One day soon, millennials will rule America. This is neither wish nor warning, but a fact rooted in the physics of time and the biology of human cells. Millennials, born between 1981 and 1996, are already the largest living generation, the majority of the workforce, and will soon eclipse their parents as the biggest block of eligible voters. But even as America gets younger and more diverse, our national leadership is overwhelmingly dominated by white men in their 70s, carrying baggage from the previous century. I offer this book as a reminder of the only real truth in politics and in life. This too shall pass. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.